Hey, everybody. Uh, just a reminder, I got new tour dates this week. Oh, Jesus. Uh, everything will be on sale tomorrow, Friday, April 9th at 10 a.m. local time. Um, I guess that's Pacific time, my time. I don't know what that means. Uh, shows are starting to sell fast, evidently, in, in the pre-sale. So we added some more dates. Friday, October 15th at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. Um, Friday, October 22nd at the Terrace Theater in Long Beach, California, Richard Pryor's home. Uh, Friday, November 5th, we got a late show at the Grand Sierra Resort and Casino in one of my favorite cities, Rito. Uh, Saturday, November 6th, The Late Show at San Jose Center for, for the Performing Arts. My shit jokes are going to be in a performing arts center. How funny is that? Friday, November 12th at the Fox Theater in Detroit. Uh, tickets will be on sale at billbird.com slash tour. Thank you. And God bless America. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, uh, where I, yours truly, checks in on you to see how your uh, work week is going. And every once in a while, I have special guests only. And uh, this right now, this is what I mean. I'm always excited for guests, but this is like crazy. We have the incredible drum, one of the greatest drummers. I'm going to embarrass you here. Uh, on the planet, Mr. Benny Greb, who has written a book, Effective Practicing for Musicians, which is green, so it's not going to show up here. You got it here, Benny? There you go. <laughs> He's holding it up. This book is so friggin' amazing that I'm actually applying the tools on how to effectively practice drums to trying to get my instrument rating as a pilot. And it's 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 paying dividends. And uh, first of all, I just want to say welcome. Oh man, to you, Benny. thanks for having me. That's awesome. Thanks. Where where are you right now? Are you in uh, Germany? Yeah, Hamburg, Germany, where I'm where I live. All right. Well, let's 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 jump right in. I've I've only read the first like forty pages because I have ADD and I'm all over the place. And all I <laughs> all I've done is like like even like everything about it, like the whole. Like when you sit there and you think that you're practicing for an hour. Right. Like I'm going to play drums for an hour every single day and blah, blah, blah. Or you always hear those guys, oh, I play for six hours. Right. I play for, I practice six hours a day. Yeah. Break it down where you actually like recorded yourself. Right. I you're mean, in that... the practice room to see like how much you were practicing and you realized that in like you had it for like 90 minutes or something that that you realize that you only were actually practicing for it was some really small amount of time. How much was it? Was it? Yeah, it was embarrassingly, embarrassingly small. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for pointing you, that you out. You would again. listen. You'd get frustrated and do like angry fills, which was my favorite thing ever because <laughs> I do that. I've been try, I've been trying to get that John Bonham triplet thing down my whole life, and that's In what I do. Drum? for a little bit i'd get angry i do so this this triplet thing and then i would move on to something else and then wonder why i could never catch up so what started <laughs> what's how, how did this come about and 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 then i just want to get into how you were nice enough to share it with everybody so at what point did you hit a place with your drumming where you were just like I am just not move. Was it? I, were you just feeling like I wasn't moving forward at the pace I wanted? We 
for just frustrated yeah. with your playing what was it all of it <laughs> i mean all first of it. Of, okay. yeah first of all uh, i think i found out when i started to go to music college uh, uh to really study music i had to move away from home and i was 17 i was the youngest there had no life skills at all which i then all found right. out I couldn't cook pasta. I couldn't wash my own clothes. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And I then, to make it even worse, found out like the one thing I thought I was kind of decent at because I was the, I, I came there in terms of like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm the best drummer in my village because I was the only one. <laughs> and then I came to music college and all of a sudden I was the little guy and I realized, so, oh, holy shit, I have to, I have to step my game up because of course, um the, finally there were everyone was as nerdy as me where before i was an anomaly i listened to a lot of american and english music and blah blah, blah. so i had all of that going on that how did you push through that because that i feel that's a critical point for anybody that is is going after something when you are sort of you're the funniest guy in, in your class or the best drummer in on your street or whatever and all of a sudden you know and that's your whole universe and then you show up and the first time you meet somebody oh my god this guy's funnier these yeah. guys have been doing comedy longer than me or these guys have been playing drama long and and like that's a real blow to the ego yeah um I mean, and I, I i think it causes some people to quit yeah i mean thankfully uh, and I think probably the comedy scene is, is, is can be pretty harsh at times or something. But uh, for me, it wasn't that kind of whiplash horror scenario. It, it wasn't the, like a hardcore. Like everyone was pretty much very friendly. And so, so the 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 amount of like people also like helping me out and and me being excited about being in this new environment of like, oh my god. Um, it was amazing. They had all these record books there. They had all the resources there. They had this, this huge library of all the stuff that I never could get before. I heard of it, but mm -hmm. I, I never knew how, like that, that was before the internet, right? So again, I'm that so old. So you got excited about getting like sort of humbled of like, oh, wow, man. Yeah, I thought I, had I access. Was I had access to all of this great stuff that I was interested in anyway for the first time in my life before it was was like seemed it seemed already awkward like in this little bavarian village to try to become like whatever i saw in the musicians i liked and uh so for, who were you listening first... to when who would like you who were your favorite drum because when, when i listen to you play you have such like your own style well, um yeah I, I don't really necessarily be like for oh this guy's a Bonham guy or this guy's a tony williams guy or you know the the you know the little i know about drumming you come in oh, and you're just you know sort a of lot like, about drumming come on uh well, for a comedian i do but not for uh <laughs> <laughs> for like a drummer but i i love stuart copeland I, I i absolutely my, my brother had an unusual music taste for that time and that area and he listened to all this a lot of 70s like uh i mean he had bg's records and he had the Jimi hendrix thing and tower of power james brown and the police which i which i could get into easily because the early albums were very punky and i that i, I really liked that mm. and they, they were kind of responsible for me to to grab me 
by the hand and gently lead me to all time signatures and and like all the sting pop kind of Vinny and all this kind of universe and right. uh so that, that was one of the one of the things yeah now were you, did, were you blessed with an ear where you could figure out it's like some of those um with Stuart copeland i've always loved him but i never even attempted any and maybe like roxanne or whatever and even then when yeah. they went to the the roxanne part that whole weird no, no i think it was the, the the verse was the part that would screw me up um i once he really started doing all that crazy stuff with the hi-hats yeah and then he he, he opened them up real quick and in, in weird times and just his whole feel and everything was just so alien yeah from it so i, I would this. just listen to it be blown away and I don't think I ever even attempted to try and play. So how did you like, was you just born with those ears? You could no, 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 no. Uh, the record? Yeah, I, I, I listened it a million times. I had this CD changer thingy and in the base, <laughs> my dad, that's why I also lived in, in the US for a while. Then back then he had something because he worked for this American company as well. And, uh, they, they introduced something that was very hip back then in Germany. No one has ever heard it before. Totally new concept. It was called home office, which is a great wow. idea, but not so great if you have a little punk drama at home. That yeah. <laughs> so, so every once in a while, although my parents, I have to say, were super, super supportive. But um, every once in a while, my dad just came home and said, like, are you fucking crazy? Like, just, yeah, yeah. like completely... <laughs> because he just couldn't get any work done because I had these challenges and I did that with the police. There, there, there is a CD set uh, called Message in a Box where all the recordings of the police, like a CD set, like in a booklet thingy. And I had this CD changer. And one of my challenges was like how many times in a row I can play through the whole program, like without like passing out or. <laughs> and how long would that take? Hours? Was, yeah, it was a day or, or, you know, like, like, yeah, took a while. <laughs> Your dad is a was, patient man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for their support. I mean, God knows how, how they did it. My, my mother was basically my, my backliner, so to speak. I had a, I had a cover band when, when I didn't. So did you, were you license. during, during those times, did, did you have a, uh, when you were in just in your small town and you were in your, your parents' basement or whatever, or in the house, wherever your little yeah. studio was, did you take lessons? Were you a, were you a lessons guy? I were wasn't you... a lessons guy. No, um, I, I was completely autodidact, uh, as they say, or self-taught. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> because the first attempt was, oh, the kid is you know, motivated and he wants to bang on things. And I, I played trumpet and piano first with lessons, but the drums were always the sexiest to me. I always thought like, but this is it. I don't want to do the, I want to do the, and, <laughs> and, and then we had this umpa band, this local umpa band, every village has one. Right. And I, I later played trumpet in that band as well, but, um, so we went to this drummer guy, which is the guy that runs around with the big drum, like in front of his belly, right? right. <laughs> the symbol. Yeah, the Oktoberfest is how we know that those types of bands. Yes, exactly. I mean, we lived like half an hour for, or an hour from Munich. So that, that's the, and so my mom, like 
was like, ah, he's a drummer. So let's ask him for lessons. And so we went down to this community center thing where also the, ah, oh, damn, I don't have the vocabulary for it. Like the guys that shoot animals, like the hunters. Hunter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guys that shoot animals. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very <laughs> unvegan. I'm blown away that you can speak languages. It's a, more than one. It's amazing. Oh, so I'll help you wherever you need. So okay. hunters. Yeah. I need all the help I can get. Um, you know, all the hunters were there. So there were all these like elk heads like coming out of the wall, like on these on these wooden boards and, and stuff. But that was also the place where the local Umba band was rehearsing. And we had an appointment with the guy. And my mom came with me. Oh, she's so amazing. And only like a mom could like the door opened and it looked like a fog machine was in there like from the 80s or something because the guy was chain smoking like with yellow fingers and yellow beard he had a white beard but it was yellow around the and and my mom was so enthusiastic and she said like oh so that's benny and when he listens to music he dances around and he did he doesn't like the shit like like mallets and timpani he doesn't like that shit but he likes to play the drums and we we hoped you could and, blah. and the guy was listening to it chain smoking patiently and then turned over to me and said the first three years we will only play the snare drum <laughs> and i'm like oh, no. oh god and I said, Savos, which is the Bavarian for see ya. And uh, you said I, that I was, right then? Oh, you yeah, thought I, I that? Was, no, I was so traumatized that I didn't want to have any lessons for the next six years. So that's that's that was lessons out of the picture for me. So I only learned through CDs and my own thing. But to come back to your beginning question, that's why it also was completely messed up. I made some kind of progress, but I mean, to be honest, I later found out I called practicing, quote unquote, the process of, or for me, it was practicing as soon as I was in the same room as the drums. Right. <laughs> so the, all the pizza eating and Star Trek Next Generation watching got, got thrown into the so-called practice time. <laughs> so... Well, that's what's so incredible about this book is because one of the hardest things you know when you're trying something new or you're trying to get good at something is you what what feeds you is improvement progress yeah. Yeah. and what really just makes you you give up hope and makes the light seem like it's disappearing you're never going to get to the end of the tunnel is is when you just sort of like in like uh, an eddy, you know, just spinning around and spinning around. Yeah. Um, I, I I find it amazing that uh, someone of your drumming abilities has basically written the book on like the secrets on like how you can apply this. Just the stuff that 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 did you've had in this book as far as like recording yourself and trying to figure out how much of this is actually practicing and then also allowing part of your practice time to now you just get to play and have fun and who gives a shit if you screw it up i've been able to like you know like really go in there like like today i was reading the part of your book where you were saying like make it like your practice room just like you want to be in there Right. And everything's ready to go. And it's not like, oh, I got to change the heads or I got to I got to put this thing back up. Like I walk into my drum room now. 
I sit down, put on headphones, and I'm playing. Ah, and it's just it's like, ready to go. I, it's just, it's, yeah, the friction thing. Well, you yes. were talking about getting rid of all of this friction. So I had these two podcasts to do today. Mm-hmm. And normally I was, but I only had like a half hour to play. This is how much your, book, your book's helping me. I only had a half hour to play. And I had these two podcasts in this Zoom meeting that I had to do before that. And normally I'd be like, oh God, I mean, by the time I get out there, da, 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 da. And what I did was I set up all my podcast shit first. I had I turned my car around because in between I was gonna have time to run out and get a fucking sandwich, yeah. so I had everything ready to go. And then I made another thing too that kills my practice is if I don't stretch before I get in there. Oh, because okay. all of these years of like riding in cars and sitting on my ass and everything, I'll have <laughs> circulation problems with my legs unless I stretch. So if I stretch out, you know, and then you know if I don't stretch, sometimes one of my feet might get a little tingly, and right. then. And then I don't play as well, and then I get frustrated, and then I stop. So I did all of that, and I went downstairs. And even after the stretching, I still had 20 minutes, and it was 20 killer minutes. Right. Wow. And I felt like I picked up the big rock, and I moved it a little bit closer. And I walked out of there. My mood, I was in a great mood. I had a great meeting. I like to think I'm having good podcasts. And... That's so I'm telling awesome. you, effective practicing for musicians. I'm applying this now to the instrument thing, which is total egghead genius shit. And I'm a dope. So I really have to like, no. but now I have it like, you know, like my flashcards. I got everything all like laid out. So I can just literally, you could like wheel me in like Hannibal Lecter, sit down. I hit the button and then I'm on my simulator doing it. Yeah. So, wow. um, so yeah, let's because let's, it's all the same stuff, isn't it? Like, like uh, I mean, the the body has a certain the body and the brain. I mean, has a certain programming language that either works, and there are certain things we we can do that definitely won't work. <laughs> and, and yeah, b- because I mean, one of the things with the book was, um, although there is a big part where we try to find out, like where we try to really specifically find out okay what is the right thing to do what is the next thing to do and and that automatically means all the other things i don't have to do now so so that increases focus and and gives you also something to accomplish because if you always think like oh my god there is so much stuff but um but it also keeps you if you have that focus you're not stressed and then when you're relaxed you play better and you sound better and yeah. One of the things that it took me so long, Dave Elich, my drum teacher out yeah. here. Shout out to Dave. He, yeah, he taught me. Like, I remember growing up, all of us were trying to have that big Bonham sound, and we were swinging, like, thinking yeah. you had to do that, even though when we, we had sound remains, the song remains the same. And you yeah. watched him, and he was never doing that. He was He was down here. It was just, he was totally relaxed. He was hitting the drum, and he was getting out of the way and letting the thing sing. And mm. to get back to the helicopter thing is like when you fly an instrument, you have to be so precise. You're, you're like, if they tell you to hold uh, an altitude, you can't be off by more than 100 feet. And, you know, when there's like turbulence and stuff, a helicopter is inherently unstable. It's not like flying a yeah. plane. Yeah. So I'm like, was holding on like this. And yeah. the guy goes, you don't want to do that. You want to be like fingertips, just like with drumsticks. Oh, wow. And you, and you want to be barely 
holding on, almost feeling like it's going to fall out of your hand. It sounded like when I was talking to Dave when he was telling me how to hold drumsticks, hit the drum, right. get out of the way. So what it is... Yeah, he, it's counterintuitive because you think like you have more control when you grip tight and, and you have it. And but yeah. yeah, and what it becomes is, yeah, then any movement in your shoulder is yanking that thing over and now right. you're, you're off course. So it's like literally he broke it down where he was saying like this thing like the corrections are, are minuscule mm -hmm. and what you're doing is just sort of just little things like that. And it all flying is, is, is just little corrections. Right. And when he broke it down like that, like, and it was one lesson in the whole way I fly now, I used to just, you know, and I had like another thing with like my legs and stuff. I think it was because flying, you're thinking like, don't die, don't die. When you know, when you're yeah. soloing or whatever, it's doing shit. Like it, it, it got my me all like tensed up, and yeah. I had to get like a masseuse and everything to work this shit out. And it was all from being like tense. And um, this book yeah. has helped me get even with after the stuff Dave taught me. This book has helped me to get even like more relaxed. So I wanted to talk about when you got to this, when you got to the school, and you're realizing like, hey man, I was the big fish. I was the best umpad drummer in my little town, and you and you got there. That sounds when... so depressing. It's very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't even the funniest kid in most of my classes, so there's hope for everybody. Um, when I was growing up, but like when you were first, you know, uh, after six years of playing for hours and hours and hours and hours, driving your dad crazy occasionally. Yeah. Like you had all of this muscle memory that you now had to undo. So even with your your exactly. inefficient way of playing, yeah, and you're still feeling like you're not as good as everybody else, you're gonna have to take an even more step back yeah. and so-called get worse. Yeah. What was that like for you at that age to um, be like, oh man, so even even my little bag of tricks that I'm bringing here, I have to, I have to unlearn and then relearn that just to get to the level yeah. of being like, feeling like I'm, I'm at the bottom of this barrel here it it kind of fit um in a way because i realized that i came a, i came a certain way with my with my abilities but i also hit certain walls and certain plateaus where i'm like it's obviously not it's obviously not working i can't do this i have to change something mm -hmm. um and then, of course, you think, oh, there will be a next step and the next step will be something like amazing and blah. And then you get confronted with fundamentals again. And, and that that feels always like a step back. I think right. Jojo Mayer once put it best when uh, I think he talked about like this, you build a skyscraper or, or a house. So you have a fundament that you built that's kind of solid, has a certain like uh, um, certain area that it is. Then you yeah. build on top of it, you build on top of it. So the fundament and then skills on top of it, if you build higher and higher and higher, and that is your game to be like, oh, something new, something flashy here, something nice there. At some point, the building or your abilities and skills become so high that it kind of becomes unstable and kind of begins to wobble a little bit. And then what you have to do is to climb all the way down, <laughs> make the fundament broader and stronger then you can build up again till the point right. becomes wobbly again then you have to go down again 
and you build the fundament stronger. So you, so to understand that this is a constant thing when, when you get higher and higher, and it's not, it's not a failure, it's actually progress to say like, oh, wow, I'm at this point already where, where my skill level now becomes shaky and I have to work on the fundaments again. But now with different knowledge, a different background, different scope, new abilities, of course. And, um, and I think I was confronted with that as well. Uh, uh, and, but it was a good thing. And of course, what you're talking about is this frustrating feeling of when you attack something new or you go to the fundaments and you really do open heart surgery there, <laughs> mm -hmm. then, uh, then you enter this in-between zone where the old stuff doesn't work anymore and the new stuff doesn't work yet. And you feel like you play with like, like gloves or something. It's like, oh my God, what have I done? Uh, and uh, but when you're in one of those periods and you have a live gig, yeah, horrible. You're horrible. Uh, do, do you have, I was gonna yeah, say, can you just bath. like forget about it and then go play, or do you, or do you just have to kind of go out and not be as good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, oh wow. You try to be. You try to do the best. I mean. uh um, but sometimes uh, it also helps you to put the focus on something else. So if you're really struggling with or you're working on your technique or on, on certain things and you maybe have been drilling down and focusing on that, sometimes gigs can also help you then to be like, ah, but then I had to listen to the songs and the song form. And, and, um, and I'm sure a book that Dave also told you about this inner game of tennis, which, which works about, there's this tennis coach that, that worked basically teaches movement without letting his students focus on the movement <laughs> because the body kind of does it itself. So he, he kind of distracts them and says like, listen to the ball, blah, 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 blah. The, the rhythm that the ball takes and right. then move sideways to it. And then kind of the body also does a couple of things then by itself. Although in my experience, for me, it was very, very helpful with the recordings, with the journaling to really take a look at what I'm doing because I didn't do that for so, so long before I studied music that then it was a shock to me that what I thought I was doing and what I was actually doing was miles apart. And, but it's like the first time you hear your voice recorded and yeah. played back to you. You're like, that's what I sound like. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, Dave, forever was trying to get me to start regularly videotaping myself, which I'm still not the best at because it's just so, it's just so disappointing. It's all, it's, it's, it's Why? never like, Oh, I thought I was here and I'm here. It's like, I, I thought I was here and oh. I, I'm down on the floor. Um, I, I, you know, it fascinates me as far as like, you know, doing shows myself is nights when I'm off. Um, I, I have, like I go on stage and I'm just, I'm just fucking like, it's like in your world, it's like you're, you're, you're just a little in front of that. You're rushing or you're right. dragging. Right. And comedy, there's a lot of similarities to that where you, you just, oh, yeah. you know, you're not in this zone, you know, and it's, it's like the nights when you're on and you hit a zone, it's effortless. You barely have to do your act. You feel like you've been on stage for 10 minutes and an hour went by. What happened? My God, it was like a walk in the park. And then yeah. there's other nights when you're tired. 
you know, or just there's just some weird energy in the room and you give into it. It's you start feeling like you're shoveling wet snow. And and so I learned. Uh, there's a couple of tricks that I do to get to trick myself into being present in the room mm -hmm. and then getting like lined up with the crowd right. so I can have the best show possible so they won't feel like they got like ripped off. And, um, you know, a lot of it is I'll start improvising on all of my jokes because then it's new. I'm taking so a chance. Even if you're insecure and it, or or maybe you're not insecure, but if you realize it doesn't really kind of go the way you want, you are fearless enough to to just be like, okay, let's break this shit it's up. Not fearless. I the, the the feeling of not having fun doing uh, stand up comedy is one of the worst feelings you're ever gonna have. I can't uh, like because so you, you are miserable. yourself almost. Well, because you're miserable and your job's to hey make everybody laugh, and it's <laughs> the exact opposite of what you're feeling. It's like it's a it's a it's really like messes with your mind so yeah. what what i did was uh. i will overly act out stuff i'll act sillier and stu more stupid uh -huh. and usually what happens is if it doesn't make me laugh it, it's gonna hit somebody in the crowd uh. my silliness and it makes them laugh and their laugh literally is like battery power and then it just sort of uh. i i can't think about it too much or i screw it up right but it, it gets it back to where now um, I'm, I'm moving along here. And I was wondering as like a, a drummer. Where Can it's... I ask you something first about that? Yes, yes. Uh, but, but did you also had experiences where you thought like, oh my God, this is hot work today. This nothing works and blah, blah. And then maybe you recorded yourself and you realize afterwards, oh, it wasn't that wasn't that bad or the other way around where you thought like man tonight is amazing and then you listen to it and you i've like, never oh, thought man. it was amazing and it, it wasn't okay. <laughs> i grew up catholic so you never give yourself credit for anything i've That's definitely had shows of you. Yeah. where i've just been like man that was fucking terrible and they were like what are you talking about it was one of your best sets i've seen and then what i used to think is like oh they don't know what they're talking it's because they don't know comedy right. or whatever right. uh, but then i kind of realized that um, sometimes when I was frustrated, it, especially when I was younger, the frustration caused me to slow down. And like, if you watch me early on in most of my standup that's recorded, I am going just a little too fast. Just uh -huh. every song, the tempo would be just a little too, if, if the jokes that were songs, they would be just a little too fast. And it took me a long time to really like, I mean, the first eight years I was on stage, uh, so much of my movement was just nervous energy. Right. So it's not only did drumming, it have, Yeah, it was like a distraction. And like, I'd be out of breath, like you guys, like you blow yourself out in two yeah. songs. You're like, fuck, I got a whole set to play here. The same thing would happen with like, I would be out of breath. I'd be doing a guest, like a guest spot, like a 12 minute spot. And I'd be eight minutes in like winded, like I, like I was on like a Stairmaster or something, and it was just all... Oh, adrenaline every... is a hell of a drug. Like yeah. Adrenaline Fear. is... is, is... <laughs> so how do you, how on, on nights when it just sounds like you're, to you, it sounds like you're falling down the stairs with your drum kit, is there a, like what I was talking about, how, okay, I can be improv, improvise, 
you know, act out the punchlines more, right. get sillier or whatever, lock in on an audience member's laugh. What do you do as a musician? It's always fascinated me how you uh, get out of something like that. Um, um, maybe it sounds stupid, but a lot of experience helps me. Uh, where I when when I'm on a tour, it's it's actually the it's probably the same with you. It's it's the best thing to learn because you can from one evening to the next see little changes and be like, oh, yesterday, ah, oh, I will never do that again. And and you, right. you kind of like adjust a little bit. And then when you record, but it's the same when you record or journal with your practicing, you you collect all these pieces of information, all this experience of data where you're like, oh gosh, I thought I'll make it, I mean, a classic for drummers is, oh, I'll make it, I'll make it nice and intense and I'll go to the China and I'll, I'll just bang the <laughs> shit out of this thing. The, the lead singer I think already the has China's like, drumming version of a shit joke for us. All right, I'll go bodily fluid here. This will get him. Yes. And the lead singer is already bleeding out of his ears. And and you're like, oh, this is so intense. And then on the on the recording, it, it sounds small. It just sounds small because it's only high frequency. There's nothing like, and you think like, oh no. And then you realize the hi-hat has much more power. That's why all these punk bands have like hi-hat, like there's so much bark, so much, and you do that and you think, like, ah, and when you, when you had received this pain once, where <laughs> this shame of like listening to a recording and think like, oh my God, it's like acting out, like being drunk or something, and you can't connect to how it actually comes out anymore. You think right. you're maybe amazing and you're super funny. And then afterwards you realize, oh gosh, like I'm, I'm making a fool out of myself and it feels the same way because it's it's expression as well it's when you play a musical instrument it's even worse with singing but it's with drumming the same where right. it, it feels like you're expressing yourself and if you don't have a certain effect you feel ineffective and and stupid and in that pain if you then can be like oh wow that hurt then you will find yourself on stage again and then it comes up again and you feel like okay, I'm, I'm gonna give more energy. And then you think like, oh, no, I know this. It feels right now. It feels right now. But right. it won't come out like it feels now. I know this from experience, although it's counterintuitive. So this helps me a lot to be like, okay, I now want to do this, Phil. But I know that this is too much. I just know it. <laughs> I, 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 this will get me fired I, I will not do it i'll keep playing the hi-hat have you ever gotten fired um that's a no you would have remembered i mean never blatantly no but but of course like there are shows where or there are maybe bands where then someone else plays afterwards or something and and you think like oh but no not not yeah, but of course I had phases where, like, when I had my Stuart Copeland phase when I studied music, God knows how many ballads I destroyed by trying to be Stuart Copeland, you know, with, with splashes like kish, kish, and like a like a <laughs> like a loud backbeat, and the the poor singers were like, oh geez. Um, all right, I have a all... question. I got a question for you as far as something that really fascinates me about high level musicians, which you are, is how you go, you go about learning how uh, 
to play what you hear or play what you feel versus, oh, here's a lick, right, right, left, kick, kick, blah, 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 and just do that a thousand times. And because there is a dis, there's a difference between going around voicing the same lick all around the kit yeah. and sounding like you're doing, you know, to someone like my ears, I'm like, did he just play every rudiment out there? It's like, no, it's the same thing. I just voiced it all around the kit. And that is like uh, just going bicycle, 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 bicycle. They're just saying the same thing all over, right? Yeah. To being able to, especially on the drums, to be like, I'm sad today or I'm frustrated today. Because with comedy, like like last night, I went on stage and it was in, and I was in a dark mood. Mm-hmm. I was just in a dark mood, and it just came out. It was still funny. But it came out dark. And I said to people, I said, sorry, man, I'm in a dark mood. This is going to be a little weird, which is something that I learned early on when, when you, is you address the situation. Don't let them sit there all uncomfortable, like, what the fuck? I mean, unless that's what you're going for. Like a Sam right. King really <laughs> could just work that uncomfortableness. So, like, how, like, when when you're on a tour and you're just sick of being out there, Right. And you're feeling this. Can you use that the way a comedian could be like, I am so sick of being on tour. I'm just going to fucking roast this town that I'm in and talk about how bad I want to go home. And everybody's going to laugh, you know, as long as you're good natured about it. Like, how, how are you able to do that? Or hear somebody in the band play something that inspires you. Like oh not over here and over that that color or whatever yeah. is over here, and to just be and just not overthink it and just sort of let your body do it. Like how does that is yeah. is there a way to work on? Because I've been doing a thing with Dave where it's just like he goes sing a fill, which is the most embarrassing thing <laughs> no, you ever do. You can do it. <laughs> I know, but to do it with another human being like in a room like that, who's an exceptional drummer. It just, you feel, and he says, he goes, don't, you're going to feel stupid. And you're like, okay. You're like, he's like, all right, start with that. And you feel like you feel all of a sudden you go from like, man, I'm getting like some of this really good shit. And then you immediately just feel like one of those clapping monkeys with like the, with the symbols. <laughs> but so, that's what, that's my job actually. Like that's a good job description. I'm a clapping monkey with like, I'm hitting things. I saw this BBC documentary recently where this, where there was this document, uh, this, this gorilla and he was like in a certain mood and he took a piece of wood and like, like banged it on the ground. And my girlfriend's <laughs> like, look, that's, that's you. It's like, it's like <laughs> that's, that's you, like, well, is it just jamming with other like I've always been like just so envious when I see like one of those things where you see just a bunch of drummers around they're playing they're trading fours or whatever or, or some of those, those yeah. kids that gospel I think it's all of that I'm, I mean it's it's Great. You, you mentioned a couple of different things uh, the, the the first thing is of course you can adjust uh, to the to uh, feelings of the room but no one knows that and can do that better than you uh, where you and you can do it verbally when I'm a band leader in my band moving parts I do uh, like I am silly and I do stupid jokes and I and I and I say like oh gosh like what's going on today and and you connect with the audience that way and and especially when you play music that is um, 
like like jazz or that some people might fear highbrow it is very powerful to be a silly bastard in between it's it's amazing dizzy gillespie always did that i mean it's it was it's just amazing like if you have great stuff not that i'm saying that i'm an example of it but if you have great 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 musicians doing right neck breaking things and then there is this looseness about it and oh it's amazing but anyway, that's funny yes. because my favorite comedians my favorite comedians are super smart comedians that are silly yeah Yeah. Jim Norton, Patrice, uh, rest his soul. There was all of these guys that I've seen that like, they just like, like, like Jim Norton has one of the quickest minds of anybody right. I've ever been around. And he is one of the silliest human beings. Yeah. Self-deprecating and all of that. So that's amazing. You know, Norm so McDonald, who, who like, like playing the dumb guy kind of stuff. Oh yeah. The, like, playing glib. Yeah. There's just, and then oh, he does man. that grin that, that yeah. lets you in if you get, what he's doing all right so so i don't drive people nuts because i i always sort of plow forward and i i don't let a lot of guests answer enough questions so so no, then how great. do you how do you like the next thing start to be able to learn how to play ideas you that you're hearing as you're doing i mean what do you set the metronome to for me it's like minus 10 it's BPM. not the <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so you you when you play Yeah, yeah anyway um uh, <laughs> uh, it's 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 like lang i i love to compare that to language um it, and it is language because you have building blocks of things that you mm -hmm. of course can focus on and maybe have to look at and, and can get a feel for it like letters or words i mean english is not my first language so so, so i had to kind of be like house house h-o-u-s uh, okay but, but of course I will not be able to express myself properly uh, until I see a house and I feel house. I feel that that is the thing. I, I don't have to say the word, this is a house, right? So you connect the emotion of what you're seeing, uh, smartphone, blah, blah, blah. And th that's what it is. And, and it's the same with where certain sounds and, and maybe like um, certain movements that that I think get put into like little categories that fit certain emotions or certain intensities, right? Where it's like, you know, where it's like, I now want to scream kind of on the drums. Now I need, I need high energy. And then you have certain stuff for that. That's the yeah, stuff. That thick ass floor tom sound that you have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or you have you like a big crash. You have the best sound I've ever heard. Oh, thanks. I love it. What do you my, say? My... You want to? You, you want to sound like you? You want your floor toms to sound like you? You just slapped a dead pig. What is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I. But but I wanted to feel like sound gigantic. Yeah. We were we were at Guitar Center on 14th Street or something, New York, and I happened to be in town. And you were gonna do a um, a clinic, and I I went down there and I got to watch you tune drums, right? And like I just remember when you started hitting that floor tom, every drummer that worked in there came in, which and it was what was funny was they were saying, "Can I buy that drum off of you?" Yeah. Which the real question is is like, can you teach me how to do that, right? So my tom can sound. I I can. I mean, I don't want to take your sound, but I want to get that like. I mean, oh, that man. is just that that face that is there. 
on yeah, your stank face. <laughs> stank face is yeah, that is where that is at. Yeah. Um yeah, I so, yeah, so super, I guess, super low. So in this book, I guess if I apply things in this book, because I always felt like um, you know, I get obsessed with shit. That's and I crazy. and I was and I wanted to be like, you know, I would want to be just at this point, I would just love to be able to play with somebody. They played, you know, some fours, and I was able to just just one time just be just be relaxed and not have something already memorized. Like yeah. no matter what you say, I'm saying that I'm saying bicycle. That's what yeah. the fuck I'm doing, right? Like, and it's just that so fascinates me. Uh, and I think that it really separates the same thing with comp comedians. Like, I think there there is a there is doing your act. And then there's this other level where you are present in the room. And like, like when I go on, I don't have a set list. It's even if I write one down, wow. I walk out and that thing is out the window. It's mostly I'm just writing it down so I can look at it. And I those are my jokes. And then I go out there and I want to walk out thinking nothing. Right. Which is impossible. Just walking out. Now, sometimes I'll sing a stupid song to myself. I'm just trying to just, just whatever you do. I heard Vinny call you to say it one time, thinking is the enemy. And I never forgot mm. he said that. And that's literally, if you want to perform at the height of your abilities, the last thing you want to be is be between your ears, which to use your expression, counterintuitive, it makes no sense because you think like, I need to perform my best. So I must be thinking out everything that yeah. I'm doing and I my favorite thing is to watch musicians or comedians who I they're like this person they're just flowing you're yeah. coming at me this way I'm gonna move this way and then I'm gonna come back around here it's not like well you're pushing me this way but I'm just gonna lean in because no matter what I I am I'm doing this right and I'm not flexible I, I I have my set ways I have planned it this way and but that's why when I when I see your perform when I see you perform it I get the same feeling like when I see a great jazz musician perform because it's it's like you say it's this difference of when I'm about ready to nod off and fall off the stage <laughs> in an old shirt no that's not what I mean no what I mean it's the, difference the crowd's stage. ready to nod off sorry I'm not good with compliments I appreciate no, it you have to take it I'm sorry but um but I think it's that difference of doing versus being more a kind of like here here i am that's just who i am instead of like yeah. okay let me do this one thing then the next thing and and uh yeah that's oh. what i said to dave i i after four years of, of intermittently taking lessons with them five years i finally came to the epiphany that i didn't play drums i do drums ah, and yeah. i was just like i have to stop doing drums and 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 i i was able to apply that you know, in other areas, but like, I just, I don't know. So, but, but my thing was, is I would always say, you know, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. I just don't have time, which is why I love this book mm. because I I have 20 minutes a day. Yeah. Get out there. And it also, it puts me in a good mood. So I'll be a better dad and a husband makes my life less friction and all of that. So, um, I had this the my quickest girlfriend. hour of my of, of my week here. We're coming up on here, so I just want to I want to promote this before uh, we we start to wrap up here. It's effective practicing for musicians, written by Benny Greb, 
It's the ultimate guide for how to become better at your instrument. So this is not just drums. This is whatever you're doing or whatever your instrument is. I'm getting an instrument rating, hopefully, and I am using this book. And um, it's it's so commendable of you where, you know, a lot of people get to your level, there becomes an insecurity and you don't want to share your secrets. And I think it says a lot about you that you would sit there and be like, this is exactly how I got to where I am right now, because I'm telling you, man, like you're like for the listeners, how I got to know about you was just, you know, I am a drum nerd and I was just went down this rabbit hole. And I can't remember where I first saw you, if it was on one of those modern drummer things or whatever, but, um, or maybe you put out a DVD because back then I bought all of them. Uh, the language uh, of drumming, maybe, yeah. Language of drumming, yeah. I, I definitely had that. I don't, I think maybe I, I saw you on YouTube and then I bought it. And uh, I first was like, oh, this guy's from Europe and he's playing a sonar kit. These guys are always good. <laughs> <laughs> these guys that play these drum kits always seem to be good. And it was also like, uh, there's only two other drum, like, well, I guess Steve Smith is only like the really, like a only American drummer that I really know that played sonar. Of course, Phil Rudd, but he's a Australian guy. Yeah. Um, but I just knew. No, wait. Did uh, who's Jack who's, Dijonette, um Jack Dijonette did. Mickey who D. I saw him at the uh, the the amount of drummers, great drummers that I've seen that I had no idea what they were doing. I saw Jack Dijonette at the Half Shell in um, Massachusetts, right on uh -huh. Stero Drive. I saw him in 1990. I saw Tony Williams. Oh, man. I saw Tony. Uh, you should have been there. Your ears should have heard it, not mine. I just knew he was awesome. But I saw him at this place, the Regatta Bar, that yeah. held maybe 125 people. And during his breaks, you could just walk up and be peeking behind oh. that yellow drum kit with the Gretsch kit with the three floor toms and the uh, the black mm. dots. And, and, like, and since then... I've become such a Tony Williams freak and, and mostly like his solos yeah. are like songs. His, his, his composition, um, he has one solo where I feel like it's a drum lesson where he mm. just starts and he's on the snare forever. Yeah. And you're like, is this what this is going to be? And then he just incorporates <laughs> the first rack tom. Yeah. And then he's kind of going back and forth, little mingle in there. And then he does the two. And then he brings the whole thing in. And right as you blow, he's blowing your mind. Then he brings in the symbols. It was just right. like, just oh, an absolute uh, master. And I'm telling you, man, it like, there's, there's like, you, you, the way you perform is a very, you're in rare air. And I just, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast, oh, doing what you, so you do, like, like you literally like I, I I'm a weird guy like I I become a better comedian watching a great drummer I don't know why that is it, it gets inspiring like I, I like because I always try to equate it to that because I'm a failed musician I remember talking no. to a buddy of mine a long time ago saying like you know what I really wish I could just have somebody come over and play guitar at the level I'm doing comedy because it's so hard yeah. to understand where you are as like a comedian like because you know you go down the club everybody's killing People are dying laughing, and then like they come up to you like, like, oh my god, you were so funny, and then they start telling you somebody else's joke. Like, don't 
That's like, that wasn't me. That was the other guy. So it's really hard to kind of gauge where you're at. So um, anyways, I'm going to talk to you forever. It's Effective Practicing for Musicians, written by Benny Greb. This book will change your life, man. Thank you so much for writing this. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I don't know what time it is over there. I imagine it's extremely it's late or early. It's midnight now. <laughs> oh, midnight. That's not too bad. That's not too That's bad. You're not too bad. right? Hey, got thank you so much. Show. It's very generous of you. Thank you so much for letting me come on. That's, no worries. That's awesome. All right, everybody. The great Benny Greb. Check it out. Effective practicing for musicians. Mac Weldon, everybody. You know, this year, spring is going to be is going to hit a little different because we are all finally starting to get back outside and seeing our friends again. No matter where your adventures take you, bring the comfort and style of Mac Weldon along for the ride. Trust me, your closet is going to thank you. Whether it's their hoodies, polos, uh, tees, or active shorts, everything in Mac Weldon co- uh, the Mac Weldon collection mixes and matches seamlessly to fit in with any other trendy products you have. Men's essentials like socks, shirts, hoodies, polos, or active shorts, Mac Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit. Versatility. You look great. You feel great. From working out, going out, going to work, or on a date, Mac Weldon is for everyday life. You think that's my last example? No, it isn't. Technology. Wide range of customized fabrics that can keep up with you no matter what your day looks like. Weldon Blue, totally free loyalty program. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. From 20% off your first order, Visit Mac Weldon, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N dot com slash Burr and enter the promo code Burr. That's maxweldon.com slash Burr, promo code, code Burr for 20% off. Mac Weldon, reinventing men's basics. Later. You know what's right. crazy? I just realized, remember when, when you were um, nice enough to invite, uh, I, I brought my band over like in Vancouver when you played that show in Vancouver? Last oh, yeah. year, February. That was my last gig. That was my, that was last, my last. That was like my last inside gig. Oh, I wish we remembered to say that. Is it still recording? You can yeah. put this on as an Apple log. Yeah, dude. My last, my last gig that I did that was like in the normal world. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was. I was in Vancouver, and I was so thrilled. That you guys, and somehow for some reason, just the way my show lined up, I couldn't go and see you guys. Because you know what's crazy? I've never, all these years I've known you, I've never seen you play live. How nuts is that? Oh, hey, when this whole when this whole crap is over, or it calms down a little bit, I'll I'll, I'll come to your house and tune your drums. going on it's bill burr and it's the monday morning podcast for monday april 8th 
2013. How you doing? How are you? Uh, today's podcast episode is brought to you by Ting. Please visit bill.ting.com for a $25 service credit or device discount. That's bill.ting.com. And I know what you're thinking. Bill, what the hell is Ting? What is it? You can't just bring up a product and, and I don't even know what it is. You know, it's got that ambiguous name. What's going on with it? Well, Ting is a new mobile service that brings clarity, usability, and significant monthly savings to U.S. small businesses and families. So basically, if you're tired of paying an arm and a leg for your cell phone bill every month, you should check out Ting. They just added a new 3G slash 4G WiMAX hotspot to the Ting lineup. The Sierra Wireless Overdrive Pro can be had and refurbished for only 30 bucks in February. They added the option to purchase used devices via their partnership with Glide. The option to bring a Sprint device has been around for a while, but there was a limitation. No LTE devices could make the move. Well, they've been working to have this limitation removed, and now many LTE Sprint devices are able to make the move to Ting. Port your home. Port? I don't even know what that means. Port your home phone number to Ting and save a mint. If you, like us, barely use the home phone but aren't quite ready to let it go, this $100 device can bridge the gap and save you a ton versus traditional wired home phone services. You know what? I actually might check that out because I barely use my home phone, but I refuse to give it up. You know why? Because I'm part of the old school. I am. When I'm on the phone, I wear a headband. You get it? Fucking old school. Sorry. Um... Anyways, they have excellent online support. Anytime you got a problem, you can call them at 1-855-TING-FTW. Anytime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And believe it or not, a real person will actually pick up the phone. All right? So please visit bill.ting.com for a $25 service credit and dis- device discount. There we go. I almost got through it without stuttering. All right. So here we go. This is the Monday Morning Podcast, everybody, and I am in Atlanta. Hot Atlanta, baby. How you doing? Um, <laughs> I uh, got here last night. Uh, I'm a day early before my, my big show down in Athens, Georgia. And uh, you're probably wondering, Bill, why did you come in a day and a half early? Well, I'll tell you why, because tonight I'm going to the basketball game, Michigan versus Louisville. All right, the NCAA championship game. Why wouldn't you? You're in town. There's still tickets to be had. Can you believe it? There's still tickets to be had. Dude, Atlanta has to be the worst fucking sports town on the face of the United States. I didn't say the earth, okay? I'm not going to be arrogant and act like I know sports fans from here to Timbuktu. I don't even know where Timbuktu is. I don't even know if that's a real fucking place. I don't know if that's an expression. I don't know who's shot. I, I don't know who's not. Um, but they fucking suck here in Atlanta. Okay? In Atlanta, they suck. George Bulldogs, that's a whole different story. Hey, wait. You get me one of them dogs? I'm in there. I'm between the hedges. Okay? I'm not talking about the SEC college fucking sports fan down here. Those people are fucking lunatics. All right, they're out there making moonshine before the game. They're out of their fucking minds. They're either full-on fucking redneck or they're like that, um, Old Belvedere, come here, boy. You know, they have that fucking plantation vibe, one or the other. Just talking about the white people down here. All right? So, 
and the drug addicts are all in the Waffle House. All right? If you want to score some meth and get a delicious breakfast and you're in the South, I have to recommend the fucking Waffle House. That's the place to go. If you'd like to maybe get into a fight. If you didn't even know that you wanted to get into a fight, that's where you want to fucking go. The Waffle House is basically, that would be the South's. That's kind of their rant. What the fuck is, is the equivalent to that up in the North? Just some place we could go out and get some food and maybe get the shit kicked out of you. Maybe get a prostitute. Maybe have a heart attack. What is that, the Cheesecake Factory? You know what? I'll have to get back to you on that one. Anyway, so I'm here, and I'm going to be going to the, uh, the basketball game tonight. What the fuck is with this chair? It's one of these fucking chairs. Oh, I keep hitting the adjuster thing with my calf. Sorry. It's not the chair's fault. It's my fault. All right? You know what's great about this chair is it's not a live person, so I don't really have to apologize to it, even though I just did. If this was a woman, I have to be like, you know, right now she would have her arms crossed looking out the window. You know, I just, I understand that, you know, you have a lot of pressure because you've been traveling a lot lately, okay? But this snapping and, and just immediately going to the anger. Um, no, no, let me finish, okay? I think you've said enough for the morning. You know, they just say that shit just gets you fucking going. I'd have to apologize to it, you know, and buy it some flowers, buy it some stuff. You know, sorry, chair. My, my meaty calf actually was hitting the adjustment thing, so it wasn't your fault. It wasn't a design fall, flaw, or whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that I'm going to the NCAA championship game tonight here in Atlanta, and it's not even fucking sold out. How fucking hilarious is that? What is wrong with the city of Atlanta? You know what it is? There's too much, there's too much pussy in the city that people, they just don't go to the fucking... Too much pussy and too much Jesus. Both sides of the fucking rainbow, you know, and they just don't go to the goddamn games. When's the last time a Braves game sold out? You know, if I ran the Braves, you know what I would do? I'd put a fucking stripper pole out there in the goddamn bullpen, you know, so the people out here could make it rain in between innings. And then I think maybe I could get the stadium half fucking full. Oh, fuck you. What the fuck is this? South Carolina, is this like a fucking phoner I got to do? Well, I ain't doing that. Um, the hell was I told? Oh, the stripper pole. Yeah, dude. You, you know what kills me about the fucking Atlanta Braves is they still do that tomahawk chop that shit. And there's no passion behind it. It's just. <laughs> What kind of a fucking asshole does that? How many tribes have said how fucking offensive that is? You know what I mean? That's why. That's when I really fucking hate people when they're just like, you know, what? What? He ain't got nothing to do with that. You know, that's stupid. Just you know, it's like people like are into the Confederate flag. You know, and they try to say that it has nothing to do with fucking slavery and just has to do with Southern pride. Give me a fucking break. You know, just be a fucking racist. Just man up and be a racist. Just get a nice fucking swastika tattoo right on your forehead. Stop being passive aggressive. Probably going to get kicked out of this hotel for saying this. 
Oh, fuck you, Steve Jobs, with your fucking noises. I heard it. I heard it. I grabbed the phone. I fucking reacted to it, you cunt. From the grave, he's still a cunt. I wonder whose idea he stole for that fucking thing. And then passed it off as his own as he goes out and tries to fucking levitate with one of those cheesy fucking magicians. Goddamn fucking phone. I hate this fucking thing. You know what kills me, too? Is you put it on, you put it on vibrate. I mean, there's no way to shut it up. I'm sure there is if I read the fucking manual. You know, but I don't have time for that. You read a fucking cell phone manual, finally figure the thing out, and then what, it's obsolete in eight months? Bill, quit yelling. You're just lazy. All right. Maybe I shouldn't be going off on the dead guy. You know that douchebag's on the cover of fucking Time magazine with, like, Albert Einstein as far as people who changed and shaped the world? He w- It worked. This stupid advertising where they lined themselves up with Gandhi has actually fucking worked because now the dude's dead. And on the cover of Life magazine, they, you know, Jesus didn't even make the fucking cover. Or maybe he did. I don't know. But what the fuck, you know? They actually had a really good picture of Albert Einstein. They had a younger version of him, you know, where his hair wasn't all fucking gray. And he didn't have that sad look on his face. You know that look he had on his face after he fucking showed those psychos how to... How to blow up all of Japan. All right, this is the cover. The cover is Abraham Lincoln, Jesus, Albert Einstein, Martin Luther King, the Beatles, Hitler, some old broad with fucked up teeth, uh, Mother Teresa, fucking uh, Gandhi. Uh, Jesus, what the fuck's the name of that guy who spent all those years in prison? For an apartheid or whatever the fuck his name is. Was it William, William H. Macy? The fuck is that guy's name? He finally got out and his wife stuck by him and then he fucking dumped her. And then the guy who came up with the phone, that angry look on his face. What the fuck? Edison. What the fuck is that guy's name here? Sidney Poitier. <laughs> I'm the worst. I don't fucking know who anybody is. And anyways, they got Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs rubbing elbows with all those fucking people. Fucking stupid-ass goddamn nerds. Because he did what? He invented a phone? Did he even invent it? Haven't I already talked about this on stage? Up on the silver screen? Um, so anyways, I'm out here in fucking Atlanta, and I'm going to that goddamn game tonight. These stupid cunts, they don't even fucking sell the thing out. They're still doing that tomahawk chop. It's like, why, why, why would you do that? And they got the fucking drum. I was just talking about this on the regular guy's morning show. My brother took a tour one time somewhere in Arizona, and they were talking about how Native Americans played their drums. And they would be like, they they play it like this, they play it like that, but at no point did they ever go. That's just some fucking Hollywood shit. Where they hired a white guy with the tan, maybe a little bit of a sunburn, you know, to give him the reddish tinge that they thought they, the fucking Indians had, which I've never understood. You ever see a real Native American? There's nothing red about their skin, you know? You know who's a fucking red skin? I am. Goddamn fucking redhead. You put me out in the sun, I will fuck with any Native American. Apache, I don't give a fuck who you are. My skin will be redder than yours. I should be offended by the Washington Redskins. They're making fun of me, not you. All right? Just the fact that your face is on the side of the helmet, that's just a misdirection. 
All right? It's just another group of people coming at us fucking redheads. And you know what? I, for one, am getting sick of it. All right? I'm sick of cunts coming up to me telling me that I'm going to be extinct like I'm some sort of fucking white rhino. You know? You're going to do. You guys are going to be gone by 2040. It's like I'm going to be 72 in 2040. I'm still going to be here, you cunt. You know why? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because I go out to these hotels. All right? Oh, there's another plane. Where are those people going? God, I always wished I was on a plane going to someplace exciting. Sorry, that was the inner monologue of a woman who got married at 22. Um, anyways, plowing ahead here. This is why I'm going to live to be 72. Because I don't stay in motels. I don't fucking make speeches about how to change the world. At least on my podcast, maybe I do, okay? But I'm not standing in front of fucking a zillion people, all right? So no one's going to whack me. All right? I got good genes. And you know what? Today, I go downstairs. They got the fucking continental breakfast down there. They got the breakfast buffet. And they also got the whole thing you can order from the menu. All right? And what do I see down there? I see all the man-titted fat fucks who got the corner office. And they're down there getting themselves an all-American breakfast. Two, three eggs any style. The fucking bacon, the potatoes. Just well, You know what they're doing? They're fucking grabbing their heart by the by the lapels, huh? Grabbing it, just going, hey, motherfucker, right? And then just kneeing it, right? If, if, if your heart had balls, that's what you're doing with that breakfast, the All-American. You know what I did? I went down there like a little fucking twinkle toes, all right? I was up on my, on my tiptoes, and I did a little dance move, and I slid into the booth, and the lady, you know, the lady came over. You know, it's a waitress. Like, I think all waitresses should be female. (laughs) Even the waiters. That's just a broad job. I'm a hungry man. I want food to be brought to me. There should be a woman involved in that. Okay? I'm traditional. I'm old school. I pay for the movie. I want my sandwich made by a woman. Not some man in a fancy hat. Some poor excuse for a fucking Pope hat. Dude, how far down is the fucking Catholic religion fallen now that we're all they're all the way down? They're in they're in like South. They had to leave this country. They're gradually moving to the third world just because that's the last place that people still believe that some bearded dude walked on water, talked to a fucking bush and then, uh, you know, died and then came back three days later. You know? Oh, shit. The fire engines are coming out. I think there's a plane on fire. That is my big fear. My big fear is not dying in a plane crash. It's surviving the plane crash and then being soaked in jet fuel and burning up, you know, for a nice four-second death of, <laughs> and then that's it. You know, you'd probably be even high, much higher pitched. I wonder what the, I wonder how many decibels you can, you can actually create if you're burning in jet fuel it's so fucking terrifying when you go to take off you're literally just you're, you're in a tube of gasoline yeah bill we get it we understand that you need a lot of gas gee bill do you need a lot of gas to fly across the country wow your podcast is so informative oh so anyway so I, i'm down there and I, I get the fucking breakfast okay and i could have got the fucking three eggs any style i could have got the pancakes 
Oh, the waffles. You know how they do that shit where they turn it into a dessert? They got everything but fucking chocolate frosting on them now. I said, fuck all that. And I said to the lady, I said, you know what? Let me get the cold cereal. Cold, cold like fucking Margaret Thatcher's knees. And I'm not saying that because she's dead, okay? That fucking shape-shifting reptile, you know? I actually think that she's George Bush. Like that, that's like his alter ego is he's actually, actually ego, ego. He's actually also Margaret Thatcher, you know, just a theory, just something to kick around in a bar. I think they're all the same person, you know, and they shoot all the world leaders all in the same living room. And uh, maybe it's maybe he, he's not a shapeshifter, but he's got some excellent like Hollywood makeup, you know, and then like when he was supposed to be in America, he's not going to do it. And then, you know, then when they cut to him over and fucking being Margaret Thatcher, and he's, oh, Johnny O'Leary, right? He just fucking just changes his voice. He's like the Mel Blanc of, like, the Illuminati. That's what I think. And I actually voted for the motherfucker. I liked him. Who was they supposed to vote for? That fucking squinty Pollock fucking riding around in the goddamn tank? Or was he a Greek? Dude, did you guys know Copernicus? The guy who figured out that the fucking Earth didn't go, you know, was going around the sun? That the sun was the center of the universe. That guy was a Pollock. All these Polish jokes. You know? Copernicus. That doesn't sound like a Polish name to me. That sounds Greek. But I digress. So, I go down there. What do I get? I get the fucking raisin bran with the 2% milk there. Right? I get the milk from that cow that was probably fed another cow. So, God knows what kind of fucking uh, poisons are in me right now. But there's only 2% of it as opposed to 4%. You understand that, right? Two um, percent of what? I have no fucking idea. I actually read something one time on how they do, do the fat count. It's bullshit. It's kind of like how they do the gas mileage on the cars, where they drive the car at like two miles an hour with like a fucking hurricane wind behind you. It gets sixty miles a gallon. Hey, <laughs> um, And then you get it, and you only get twenty, and you're like, "What the fuck?" They're like, "Well, you're stepping on the gas pedal too much." Well, how do I make it go without doing that, sir? Why are you being hostile? Because you're a cunt. That's why. And then you're, out of the, then you're out of the showroom. And that's it. That's it. You ever go into a showroom and you see the fingerprints on the glass and you see one set where it's, they're really indented in the window and then they kind of slide to the right? That's the guy who used the C word. He said cunt in the showroom and then was dragged out. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, so I went with Raisin Bran. Then I got a banana, put it on top. And you know what? I'm fucking full. You know? Filled up the fucking stomach, and I didn't go down there and, and, and just, just you know, just starting your day with fucking 1,200 calories to your ass. And now you're down to 800, and you know you're going to do that at lunch. And then you're done, and then the rest of the day, all it is is just fucking overflow, spillage for your fucking arteries and your goddamn muffin top. All right? Why am I yelling at you guys this week? I don't know. I'm fucking, I'm in a, I'm in a great mood. I'm going to go to this fucking game tonight. It's going to be tremendous. I'm going to have the whole road to myself. Why? Because it's a sporting event in Atlanta. I'm telling you, if they put stripper poles down there, they would have fucking sold it out and it would have cost me like nine grand a ticket. Um, so I actually, I have an amazing week. I'm going to the basketball game tonight and then I do a run of theaters. I'm in Athens, Georgia on Tuesday. I'm in Alabama, which Georgia actually looks down on, which is fucking hilarious if you're not from this region. You know, it's like you fuckers are all the same to me, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, 
but I don't mean it in a good way either. Um, Alabama at the Star Dome on Wednesday, and then Thursday I'm over in South Carolina, South Kakalaki, and then uh, no Tuesday Athens, Wednesday Star Dome, Thursday South Carolina, and then Friday I got two shows in Atlanta, and then Saturday I go to the Masters. You see that, people? You, too, can live the dream when you never get married and don't have any kids. You can live selfishly like I do, you know, and go to all these wonderful things and brag about it on your own podcast and then go to bed at night and cry yourself to sleep. What the fuck? I keep hitting this goddamn thing in this fucking chair. It's driving me nuts. You know what? You know what? It's almost like the chair knows my ego's completely out of control and just keeps let's bring him down a little bit. A little closer to the floor, a little closer to the regular people. All right. Just to show you what a whore I am, I'm going to read a couple of couple of ads here. Legal Zoom, everybody. Do you have a job that you hate? You know, you want to get out of it? Do you want to start a business, but you don't want to sound like you're just starting a business? You want to sound like you're actually making money already? You know, this is what you got to do. You got to go to Legal Zoom. Oh, wait, that's e-voice. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> I can't even keep these damn things straight. Legal Zoom. Oh, this is how you set up the. Uh, oh no, wait. This is it, right? Is this it? Legal Zoom's the one where you uh, you turn yourself into a corporation right off the bat, right? Bill, why don't you just read the copy, you fucking moron? All right, here we go. <clears throat> Legal Zoom, everybody. Look, you've got a plan for your future. We all know this. You do financial planning. You get insurance. But to get real peace of mind, you have to make sure your family is legally protected. Um, so where do you turn for affordable legal protection you can trust? Why, LegalZoom.com. For over 12 years, they've been helping Americans get personalized wills, powers of attorney, living trust, real estate documents, and more. LegalZoom also helps start and maintain businesses with incorporation and LLC filings, trademarks, and copyrights. Their time-saving service was developed by a team of experienced attorneys, and LegalZoom takes care of you from start to finish. LegalZoom documents have been accepted by courts and government agencies in all 50 states, so it's totally legit. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but they can connect you to an attorney and provide self-help services at your specific direction. So if you need help, they're there to help you out. They'll walk you through the whole process. For even more savings, enter BURR, B-U-R-R, in the referral box at checkout. Um... If you're a parent or, or an entrepreneur, don't wait any longer. Call or visit LegalZoom.com and protect what's yours. All righty. There's that. And then, of course, what would a podcast be without a Stamps.com read, everybody? Come on. You know the deal. Are you still – seriously, are you still going to the post office? You're still going down there? Unless you, unless you like, routinely wear a brooch, there's no reason why you should still be going to the – you know down to the, po uh, the post office, all right? The post office is always crowded. Who's kidding who? Okay, now it'll be even more crowded with people mailing in their taxes, but you still need to get out envelopes and packages for your businesses. So use Stamps.com instead. Hey, Bill, what's Stamps.com all about? Well, Stamps.com brings all the services for the post office right to your desk. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. Stamps.com will send you a digital scale that automatically calculates the exact postage you need. You'll never have to go to the post office again. Stamps.com, they're your friends. It's so easy to use that even a moron like me can use it. 
No wonder Stamps.com printed over $1 billion in postage just last year alone. I use Stamps.com to send out all my DVDs to all my fun little shows, and I absolutely love not having to go there. Right now, use my last name, Burr, B-U-R-R, for this special offer. No risk trial plus $110 bonus offer includes the digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr, B-U-R-R. That's Stamps.com. Enter Burr. All right. Back to the podcast. Uh, dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. The fucking song's in my head. I'm going to hook you guys up with the YouTube video. And I know it already has 40-something million hits. And people will be like, way to be on the cutting edge of, of YouTube. Right. For all you dumb fucks out there, 40 million hits. 40 million people is not even 1% of the world population. Okay? So any sort of, of recommendation... For a goddamn video is fine. All right? So go fuck yourselves. Hey, what do you guys think is worse? Uh, the the, the uh, Atlanta Braves fans doing that tomahawk chop or Red Sox fans singing Sweet Caroline? I'll let you think it over. I have to be honest with you. Just because it's offending a fucking group of people that were victims of genocide, I got to go with tomahawk chop. But I have to say... Um, Sweet Caroline is a close second. I mean, that's literally stopped me from watching fucking home games of the Boston Red Sox. That and the whole steroid era. I stopped watching in 2010, you know, once like fucking half the Red Sox tested positive. Was it really half bill or was it two or three key guys? Two or three key guys, you know? And one guy I think escaped town via Chicago and never fucking got caught for anything. Um... That's just, you know, just speculation, pure speculation, people. But, um, yeah, so I was kind of at that point, I was like, all right, they either need to make steroids legal or get it out of the game because I'm sick of getting excited about shit. And then uh, four years later, you tell me that it doesn't really count. You know, I don't fucking know. Um, This is how long it's been since I've watched a Red Sox game. I'm looking at the USA Today sports page. And it's got a picture of a Boston Red Sox who I don't even recognize. And it said, Middle Brooks shows clout with three home run day. Evidently, there's a guy in the Red Sox called Will Middlebrooks, who was four for five with three home runs and four RBIs Sunday. And he's batting 320 for the season. I have that guy could fucking. He could be sitting down next to me in a fucking restaurant. I'd have no idea who he was. I'd be like, who's that really in shape tire salesman? He's not a tire salesman. Why, that's, that's fucking Will Middlebrooks. Middlebrooks. It's not Middlebrook. Middlebrooks. The Middlebrooks. The Middlebrooks family, everybody. So evidently, we got a guy named Will Middlebrooks. I'll tell you right now, if y'all, you know, I got to tell you, if I'm the Yankees right now, I got to be worried about that Will Middlebrooks. Um... <laughs> I don't even know what's – I have no idea what's going what, – what is going on in baseball right now? Are they finally done building all new stadiums and singing dumbass fucking songs? Just make the roids legal, okay? Just let everybody take them, and then it'll, it'll be all right. And then we'll all take them. Everybody takes them. Everybody's jacked. Everybody's got a short fucking temper, you know? I guess that would suck, but no, you don't. Do you really get that anymore? 
Well, Bill, who knows? It's not like you fucking read about it. Um, let's get it. Let's talk about a sport that maybe I know a little bit about. Let's talk about hockey. I'm telling you fucking cunts right now who roll your eyes at hockey. First of all, if you don't want to be a fat fuck, take up the game of hockey. It's the, it's, I'm telling you, I've said, I say this week in and week out. It is the greatest old man sport there is. All these fucking old white dudes go out there and they're still playing fucking hoop. What happens? They come in Monday. They blew out their fucking Achilles, you know, constantly fucking up your knees, your hips, your feet, because you're running up the court, right? And you got on your fucking Steve Jobs New Balance, you know, that the, the, the official old white guy sneakers, which I just bought a new pair of them <laughs> with the inserts. That's when you know you're old. Um, constantly getting fucking hurt, Right. Baseball, nobody plays baseball. You play softball, and that's just really an excuse to get absolutely fucking hammered and eat hot dogs. You actually, softball leagues, you actually fucking gain weight playing the fucking game. So that's no good. Now you're walking around with this big fucking gut, you know, with your coaching shorts, one size fits all. You look like you're in your third trimester. That's fucking out. You sure as hell not going to play football in any sort of capacity. And that leaves hockey. Hockey's great because you're running around, but you're gliding, you know? I'm telling you, you fucking work up an unbelievable sweat. It's great hand-eye coordination, and uh, I'm completely 100% sold. I don't even go to the fucking gym anymore. I just go out, and I get involved in a pickup game. And I'm actually to the point, I'm at the upper level of sucking. I can actually stick hand a little bit and keep my head up before somebody takes the puck away from me. <laughs> But I'm getting a good sweat, and it's a beautiful game. Um, you know what's funny? They have all these different drills, and I've been skating with this uh, comic, uh, Nate Craig, who I fucking uh, brought out on tour when we went through uh, Wisconsin in fucking Michigan. And he was showing me a couple of drills. We went to one of these stick time things, and it's just there's no hockey drill that isn't absolutely fucking exhausting. Every fucking one of them, it's like you do three reps of it and you, f you feel like you're going abs to die. You know? You ever see baseball players before a fucking game? Just sort of limbering up, you know, just tossing the ball, flicking the wrist. That's the fucking sport you want to play, I think. But then you got you to do it 162 fucking times. I would love to get a, a professional baseball player on this podcast and just talk to him about July and August. And, like, how much, even though you're making millions of dollars, how much you want to kill yourself. How many fucking times? At that point, you've heard the song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, 125 fucking times. Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> you're just sitting there like, I'm going to fucking kill myself. And you're standing out there in the goddamn sun, right? And now you got to try to figure out who this fucking guy is on the mound and what the hell he's putting on the goddamn ball. Like, baseball, it, to me, is literally, it's like going to math class every fucking day. I, I just, I wouldn't have the, there's no fucking way I could ever get smart enough to play that game at any sort of fucking level. Where I just can't, like, when you played football, you just fucking walk up and you just play, right? I don't gotta, I, I guess you have to figure out the guy across the line from you, but not to the level of, that these guys have to. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you figure the guy out for part of the game. They don't come in and 
you know, all of a sudden bringing a, a fucking new cornerback out of nowhere. They do that with these hitters. All of a sudden you got a new fucking pitcher. What the fuck's this guy doing? What's his deal? What's his release point? Can I pick it up as it's coming off his fingers? There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. The only way I would ever make it in professional baseball is if I, uh, if I was a really good third base coach. If I really knew how to give the fucking signs. That's the only way I could ever make it. Even if I had the God-given ability, I don't have the mental stamina to give a fuck when another guy comes. Like, I, just, I just fucking did this. I just figured out a guy. Now you're bringing in another guy? Fuck this game. Fuck this. I'm going to be an announcer. You know, I'm gonna, I stole this story from uh, this morning because they didn't get to it on the, uh, the wonderful program, the, uh, the regular guys here in Atlanta. Some fucking asshole spent over 200 grand on a Star Trek ray gun. All right? 200 fucking grand. Over 200 grand from some rare ray gun, I guess, used on the Star Trek episode. And this is what I want to know. How much crooked shit has the baby boom generation done that they can afford to throw their money around like that? You ever watch those Barrett Jackson auctions? And like a Mustang will come up. This is an actual Shelby. This is the real deal. We're going to start the bidding at $180,000. Who the fuck has $180,000 to buy a Mustang? You know? They're sitting there fucking bidding on those fucking Ferraris come up. That one from Ferris Bueller's Day Off comes up or whatever. And they could spend like $9 million bucks on it. Dude, right there. You should be fucking thrown in a black van and fucking take it down underneath the Pentagon. And they figure out what the fuck you did. Where did you get your money? Huh? They probably know. You, you know something? If you, got, if you have enough money where well, you can blow $9 million bucks on a goddamn Ferrari that you're not even going to drive because it's worth so much fucking money, your wife doesn't give you shit. At that point, you, ha- you know people at the Pentagon. Right? You walk into the Federal Reserve and they shout out your name like you're fucking Norm on Cheers. That's all I think of when I watch those auctions. I'm like, this is all filthy fucking money. Nobody has this kind of money. Barrett Jackson. You ever see A-Rod there? A-Rod doesn't even have that kind of money. A-Rod, my favorite Yankee of all fucking time. I don't know about any other... Red Sox fans, I'm sort of a former Red Sox fan. I think eventually I'll get back into them. I kind of liked last year where they sucked. And everybody, you know, just kind of burn off all the pink hats, you know. But now I guess they're good, so everybody's jumping back on the bandwagon. I got to figure out when's a good time to jump back in with those guys, you know. Um, anyways, you know, I probably do it this year. At this point, it makes me feel bad as a fan that I don't know who fucking Will Middlebrooks Dude, did you, did you get the new Will Middlebrooks jersey? I have no fucking idea who he is. This is terrible. Um, anyways, what the fuck was I just talking about? Just talking about knowing people in the Pentagon. Oh, my favorite Yankee of all time, Alex Rodriguez. Watching the Yankees trying to shame A-Rod into demanding a trade has been one, and, and, and him not taking the bait. You know, sitting him in the ninth inning of the playoffs – and he just still is just like, no, oh, you know, I mean, whatever's good for the team. <laughs> hey, New York Yankees front office, just settle in. You're going to have to pay him every 
fucking dime. I bet that they have his contract out on the, their fucking giant walnut tables. Every fuck is walnut expensive. I don't know. Every goddamn day, just pouring. They probably have a team of lawyers just just specifically designed to pour over that guy's contract to try and figure out how the fuck they can get out of this. I swear to God, if A-Rod was abroad and fucking the Yankees were, 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 uh, were his husband, all right, this story would have already been on the first 48 because A-Rod would have got whacked. That's that's the type of financial fucking situation there. You know when the, the guy just is like, there's no way out of this. I just have to kill her, you know, which is always the dumbest fucking move ever. You know what I mean? You, you, you're going to go to hell forever if that shit's true. Something's going to happen. Something has to happen, I think. You know what I mean? Because some people get away with murder. So there has to be some sort of fucking something, right? In another world. Or do they just put that in your head because if there really was no ramifications, they didn't make that shit up that people would just be walking around killing people. Can you imagine if you just had no fucking conscience and you just did that? Anybody who was just annoying you, you just fucking killed them and you were so good at it, you never got caught, you know? With that, could, could you still enjoy life? <laughs> I guess if you don't have a conscience, I'm trying to think how many people I would have actually like seriously would have killed. I don't think I ever would have killed anybody. That's an interesting question. No, I don't think I could. Oh, but there's been a few I'd wanted to. All right, let's get to the questions this week before I fucking start incriminating myself. Um, when it rains, it pours. Hey, you redheaded bastard. So I know this is going to be a horrible email, but I listen to your podcast every fucking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whenever you get it up here. Will you guys stop saying fucking Wednesday? It's not even Tuesday. It's late Monday, you fucking whining cunts. For the last fucking time, I tape it Monday morning my time. It's not about you. It's about me. So go fuck yourselves. Fucking bitching about a free goddamn podcast. You guys, the internet is a bunch of whiny cunts. Whiny, unoriginal cunts, by the way. All right? You people out there, you got to set up, you got to fucking step up your Twitter game. Stop using stock fucking lines. I want the last three minutes and 28 seconds of my life back. It's just like, isn't that the most unoriginal fucking thing ever? I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Like, you've read that a million fucking times on, on fucking Twitter, and you're going to write it again like, like you're going to get a laugh. You know, has anybody ever come up to you, told you a fucking street joke, and then right after that told it to you again? No, because it's only funny once. But you fucking Twitter hacks, the same fuck, that feeling when, wait, what? That's like the fucking hacky tag. Same fucking people will then bitch that there's no fucking original TV shit out there. And then they're just these unoriginal cunts. And you know what's funny? They're all, they're just repeating shit that they've heard. And then they're all laughing their fucking asses off at their own shit. It's fucking annoying. Oh, I forgot to bring up the hockey thing. What I was going to say, uh, you know what's killing me right now is I think because of the injuries that the the penguins have and the fact that the fucking bruins can't score more than two goals a fucking game 
I actually think that the Canadians are the team to beat right now in the East, and it fucking kills me that those cunts are looking like they actually have a shot at winning a cup this year because there's nothing I enjoy more than the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are just not a factor anymore. Well, they're never going to be a factor ever again, you know, the way that they were. I mean, it's a fucking 30-team league now, you know? I mean, dominating a fucking six-team league is, is it's, it's really, the, the, of, of all, like, you know, they look back at the Yankee dynasty, the Celtics, the fucking Packers and Steelers, and then the Canadians. The Canadians is the most, that one has the most fucking holes in it. You know what I mean? You dominated a six-team fucking league. You had to beat five other fucking teams, okay, four of which were in the United States of America, a, a country that could give a flying fuck about hockey. Nobody wanted to be the next Rocket Richard down here. They wanted to be the next Mickey Mantle. Nobody gave a fuck. So four out of the five teams, all you had to beat was the Maple Leafs. And in fact, up until 1967, as far as Stanley Cups went, it, uh, the Canadians and the Maple Leafs were going blow for blow. They didn't win. The, this, is, this is how much hockey didn't mean shit in this country. I saw a story one time on, um, on the NHL channel, the radio, morning radio program, where they were talking about how the Rangers finally made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. And Madison Square Garden so didn't give a fuck about hockey. Every year they booked the circus in Madison Square Garden during the time when the Stanley Cup Finals was. So the fucking Rangers make it, and they're like, fuck you, we already have the circus. And they're like, but wait a minute, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. And they go, yeah, but we got elephants. Go fuck yourself. So the Rangers had to play their home games. They put them in Toronto because they were playing Detroit, and they figured Toronto was the closest, you know, I guess, I don't know, to fucking Detroit. So maybe you'd get some Toronto fans that hated Detroit. I don't know why they just didn't send him to Chicago. Who the fuck knows? But that's 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 how much hockey meant, you know. So that's what I'm saying. I look at that dynasty like it's fucking bullshit. Um, not bullshit. I respect it, but it's kind of like, eesh, you know. Okay. Five other fucking teams. Wow. Did you go on a run? That's amazing. You had a one in five fucking chance of winning it. How did you do it? Uh, so anyways, Bill, hey, you redheaded bastard. So I know, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, um, I've been riding on a high point for the first time this month, and I wanted to get your opinion on this matter. I was on a low point when it came to the ladies, and I couldn't bag a 300-pound baldy for the life of me. Uh, baldy? You're talking about a woman here. You're saying with a fatty with a shaved pussy? What are you talking about? All of a sudden, I've been landing every hot broad I've been interested in for the last past six months and I just don't fucking get it. Well, dude, don't overthink it. It's like golf. Don't get in your head. Just fucking swing away. Um, how does it work that nothing about me has really changed besides I bought a new shirt and maybe did a few more pull-ups than normal, but it just seems like when it's raining, it's pouring pussy. Do women smell it on you or what? I'm not exaggerating this, man. I've landed two of the hottest girls I've ever met in my entire life this past two weeks. I just wanted to ask the age-old question why in the fuck does this all happen at once why can't life space this out so i can ride the wave for a year or two and be happy instead of having it all happen at once and life sucks eight out of 12 months of the year um because getting pussies it's like playing golf it's a fucking mental game all right and if you have a bad shot you got to block the last one out it's like a relief pitcher you let up a home run fuck it give me another ball and you just block you got to block it out but what happens is 
is, you know, you start to feel like you're in a slump and then you get desperate and fucking women just, they smell it on you. You're coming in there, you know, you're trying too hard, extra splash of cologne, you're, you're fucking, you're right in their grill. Like Louisville, full court fucking press, you're right up on that fucking pussy and then that's it, it's over. They get all nervous and they pick up their ball and they go home. You know? You can't give a fuck. The only, I, I've only golfed a few times, but, like, I don't keep score. I refuse to give a shit about that sport, and I have a great time. And everybody else is fucking throwing their clubs and getting all pissed off. I don't give a fuck. I'm having a great time. You know what? I'm going for the hole. I'm going for the pin. You know? I fucking miss, and I suck, but I'm having a good time. That's all you got to do. You got to go Phil Mickelson on these bitches, all right? Don't fucking try and two-putt and get par. Go for the birdie. <laughs> You know, and if you miss it, who gives a fuck? You got to stay in that zone and not giving a shit, sir. And even then, you're still going to, there's going to be fe feast of famine. That's, it's just how it is. If I knew the answer to that, you know, I would have done much better in my, uh, my pathetic trying to get some career. Um, all right, Book of Job. God is the glory of Vegas. Okay. Hey, hey, Bill, listening to the podcast and religious... The religious douche giving his douchey impression of the story of Job pissed me off. First of all, the phrase, he got jobbed, is actually derived from the story of Job. Oh, we just pronounce it, right? Is it, is it Jobed or jobbed? I don't fucking know. Um, here's why. First of all, Christians condemn gambling and yet hold bingo parties in the church parlors every week. But the book of Job actually reveals that God, God is all for gambling because not only did God make the very first wager, God was also the first pit boss and heaven was the first casino. I like where this guy's going. Um, the Bible story is that Job was so devastated, to, devoted to God, sorry, that there was no way he would ever curse God's name. The devil went to heaven and said to God, uh, no shit, he won't curse you. He's rich as fuck. He's got a hot wife, seven no non-gay sons, and three great-looking daughters who, won't, who don't date. Give me five minutes with that piece of shit, and I'll get him to curse you upside down till next Tuesday. And God said, uh, yeah, you want to make a fucking wager? See, God knew Job. God made Job. God knew 100% for certain that he would win this. This bet. Uh, bingo. God is now the first casino boss because God has an inside knowledge of the game. God even gave the devil the odds. So they shook on it and the devil goes out fucking over Job something fierce. Raped and killed his kids. Holy sh kids. Raped and killed his kids? Really? Burned all his house and crops. Killed all his livestock. But the worst, the devil essentially gave Job herpes. But not just to Job's wife. Uh, what the fuck? Herpes, but not to Job's wife. Try explaining that to your wife without at least cursing God a little under your breath. But Job never caved, so God won the bet. Of course God won. It's God. God did give Job all his stuff back, but now, but how stupid was the devil that he bet against God? The same as all of us when we go to Vegas and come out saying, I got jobbed. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was so fucking clever, it made my fucking head burst. 
I think you're absolutely right. But I, I just I got halfway through that story and it's like there's no way that someone wouldn't wouldn't freak the fuck out. Raped his fucking kids. Why is the Bible just so fucking violent like that? And you just have to sit there and, and like. You know why? Because they want you to be just completely 100 percent devoted to the bullshit that they're giving you that the invisible guy is saying their version of what the invisible guy is saying. To the point that someone can come and rape your kids, burn down your houses and your crops, kill all your livestock. And at no point, you're not supposed to be like, God damn it. At any point, you're not supposed to fucking say that. And if you don't, God's going to give you everything back. He isn't. Horrible shit happened to people's families like that. And, he, and, and God doesn't come back and make it fucking better. But fucking idiots will, will go to church and they'll hear that fucking story and they, they will believe it. Sorry, sir. You, you made a great, that almost seemed like a very Carlin-esque kind of bit there. Um, sorry, it's just my fucking opinion on uh, organized religion. I get a little flustered. I get a little hot under the collar. Um, law school or bust? Hey, Bill, love the podcast. Nobody, blah, blah, blah. So my question has to do with the law school. Um, oh, with law school. My brain is not fucking working today. I'm going to be done my first year of law school in three weeks, and I hated it. I have never found anything I like to do in my life other than you, the usual underachievable things like my love for hockey and football. I hate every job I have ever had, and I thought law school might be the answer, but it's not. Well, but it's not been. I cannot stand law school, and I cannot stand the thought of the career in law these professors always talk about all the rules, all the restrictions, all the dealing face to face with people's problems. It sounds exhausting. It sounds not fun at all. And I have zero enjoyment from it. I already know the answer to your problems here, sir. Or at least I feel I do. Um, he said, my question is this. My friends and family all say this is just part of life. Nobody loves their job. Nobody likes school, etc. But I see these people who love their jobs. I see people in my class that love their law school stuff. I don't know whether I should stick it out in school and just pray it grows on me. The debts from law school are insane. Um, hope it grows on me like everyone says it might. Or should I take the plunge and change direction com completely, look for something else that pulls my excitement? I do not know what to do, and it weighs on me daily. Thanks, and go fuck yourself. Uh, dude, you're ignoring your inner voice, which is saying, I don't like this shit. Okay? And what you're going to – but it's a safe way to go. You get a law degree. You, you, you become a partner, right? And all of a sudden, you're making money, and you fucking hate your life. And you know what? You're going to bring that home to your wife and your kids and you're going to be an asshole husband and father and because you hate your fucking job. All right? Or you could possibly do that. Who knows? You could come home and just fucking leave it at the front door. Look, dude. All right? You said you have a love for hockey and football. Do you know how many fucking jobs there are? Why don't you go into that? You know? If you're going to stick with law school, I'd become a sports agent. So you at least around it. But um, if I was into hockey or football, I, I don't know. I would, I would try to get into broadcasting, get into journalism, uh, maybe become a sports trainer or something. There's all kinds of jobs at the high school, work your way up to college and all that type of shit. You know, I would go that route. If you like sports and you're into that, you know, there's this philosophy by a lot of people who don't go after their fucking dreams that if you, if you 
that those aren't real jobs, like getting in, in, in any sort of entertainment or having any sort of an exciting fucking job. Like it'd be, I don't know, be one of those, those whitewater rafting guides, those fucking people, you know, who get all kinds of fucking pussy because you got these people who this is their one-week vacation from the job they hate, and they see this person who's totally free, loving life. You know, women, oh, my God, that looks, oh, that looks fun. I need it inside me, right? You know, they're getting banged up against some rock right next to the Coors fucking factory. Um, <laughs> that's what I would do, sir. You sound absolutely fucking miserable. It seems like you love hockey and football, so I would try and find a job in hockey and football. And I know that sounds fucking insane, but, you know, so's telling jokes for a living. I wasn't the funniest guy in high school. I was funny, but I wasn't the funniest. I just went to a fucking open mic, and I turned everything that I used to get in trouble for into now I make money. And now I'm here in Atlanta, two feet from a fucking airport, breathing in jet fuel, going to go to the NCAA championship game because I tell jokes for a fucking living. You too, sir, can live your dream. If a dumb fuck like me can do it, you can do it too. It sounds like you absolutely fucking hate being in, being in law school, all right? It's going to be terrible, dude. Then you become a lawyer, and then because you hate it, you're going to be looking for a big score, you know, and you're going to do some, you know, some, some sort of corruptible fucking thing to get your fucking money so you can parachute your way out of there. You're going to be sitting in your stupid office with your cufflinks and your little tie tack just counting down the days, you know, to when you, you fucking have a vacation. Dude, you're going to be a trial lawyer and somebody's freedom is going to be on the line and you're not going to have any fucking passion for it. You're going to be sitting across them going, oh my God, if I listen to, have to listen to one more person tell me that drugs were planted on them. I mean, you, I'm telling you, don't fucking do it, all right? You can have a fun job and make money. It's one of the biggest fucking lies that's told by the generation. And, and you know, if your parents are fucking miserable and they hate their job, they don't know. They don't know. So they're telling you what they know. That You know what? Life's tough. And you go and you sit there and you hit the books. You have this fucking miserable fucking existence. You don't have to do it. Look at all these fucking people writing blogs. These fucking people out there who like, they're into food. I'm a foodie. And they go around, oh my God, the apple had a little too much cinnamon on it. And they take pictures of it. Next thing you know, they got advertising and then they're making money. Sitting there in their fucking pajamas eating Fruit Loops, reviewing it, making money. You can't make money in fucking hockey and football. I, I, you, you're out of your fucking mind, sir. I felt the weight of your fucking life reading that thing. All right. So please, for the love of God. For all the innocent men that you're going to defend half heartedly in the future, please tap out of that fucking industry and go someplace that you give a fuck. All right. And that's it, sir. And you know what? That's one to grow on. Uh, meet and greets. Hey, Bill, I'm curious uh, what you think about the meet and greet, taking pictures, etc., with people who attend your shows. Is it completely awkward? I fucking hate that word. Stop using that word. Such a fucking overly used goddamn word. The, the whole fucking generation. The sun is shining. Awkward. Laughing my ass off, shaking my head. Tweet. Um, do you enjoy it? Is it nice to hear people tell you how funny you are or does it just become ridiculous? I see pictures that fans take with artists and always wonder if the artists are thinking, kill me now, or if they appreciate someone wanting to take a picture with them in that setting. Have a great day and go fuck yourself. Um, the meet and greet is like doing a whole other show. If you're tired, it's a fucking pain in the ass. Um, but 
you know, if you go out there, you 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 know, you put a fucking smile on your face and you take pictures with people. Um, it's really what it is. What makes it exhausting is is 15% of the people. 85% are fucking cool. It's the 15% that are fucking hammered and uh, they're slapping you on the back and they're, or they've got, they're fucking sweaty. There's a bunch of like, you know, I understand why Howie Mandel does the fist bump. <laughs> but... Um, Generally speaking, you know, I, I like going out there. I like going out there and having people say, hey, you know, I had a bad day and I listened to the podcast. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, their mom has cancer and, and like she watched all three of your specials and, and, you know, it put a smile on her face. I mean, that that's like that's worth going out there and dealing with, you know, when, you know, one of my pet peeves is when somebody's much taller than me as a guy and they put their arm around me and their sweaty fucking warm armpit is resting on one of my shoulders. I fucking hate that. All right. But, you know, it makes it worth it when you hear uh, stories like that or you got, you know, people who are going off to war or came back or whatever and they say they listen to your jokes. So it's, there's always there's always a couple of cool conversations that uh that makes it worth it. Um, what makes it annoying is when people don't have their cell phones ready or they hand them to somebody they don't even know and then they don't know how to use the phone and then they get upset because this complete stranger doesn't know how to use this phone that's not even theirs. And um, at that point, you already have your arms around these complete strangers and then that gets a little weird. Uh, but, you know, it's a part of it, you know? you don't like fucking doing that, then, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't jump on stage. You know, that's how I look at it. I mean, sometimes I don't go out there. If I'm fucking exhausted and I feel like I'm getting sick, I won't go out there because, you know, I'm going to go out there shaking all these fucking hands and I'm going to get everybody's germs all over me. Then I'm going to get sick. And then my next show is going to suck because I'm going to be sick. And it, you know, I have, that's the, my first obligation is you paid a ticket to see me give you a great fucking show. And if I don't do that, um, you know, what's the point? All right. So there you go. All right. Single man advice. Oh, also, but I got to be honest with you too. Um, when I first used to go out there, I mean, it's a skill to know how to actually talk and interact. It's like a whole new skill you have to learn. So, um, I wasn't good at it at first. Um, I just feel like, hey, how are you? Did you like the show? You know, I was really bad at it. And um, through watching certain people who were just naturally good at it, like I always thought Dane was really good at it. Um, Kevin Hart, I thought, was really just naturally good at it. And I would just kind of watch how they interacted with people and uh, tried to, to use that as a, a, I don't know, as a guideline on how to fucking do it, you know? So... Anyways, but I have to admit, like, it, it, people never used to do that. Like, the, the, the interaction that you guys have now with, with people that you see at shows is fucking insane. You know, I went, to, I went to a No Doubt concert, and she was, like, taking pictures, like, grabbing people's cell phones and taking, like, fucking selfies, I guess is what they call them, with people in the fucking crowd. And I actually found that annoying. It's like, I came here to see you guys, all right? You know? I know now you have to kiss the crowd's ass to, like, some fucking unbelievable level, but I just think it, like, knocks down. It's like, you're a fucking rock star. Be a rock star. You shouldn't be that accessible. You know? I don't fucking know. Well, whatever. Here we go. Single man advice. Hi, Bill. Um, okay, maybe just Bill. Maybe a little more than that. No, just Bill. 
I'm keeping the intro simple. I'm single and need advice. I don't know what soup to choose. I'm really fond of clam chowder. Are these euphemisms for different kinds of women? I'm really fond of clam chowder. All right, so you're like a pasty redhead. But know that chicken noodle soup would be better paint the picture of the classic bachelor role. What? You guys, why do you guys leave out like four words in a row and just make me sound even dumber than I am? Which soup would look better spilled on the plain white T-shirt? Also, I just cleaned my apartment after letting the dust build for a while. Is this a problem? Thanks for the advice. Thanks for any advice. It worked. Single man advice. Do I really have to answer this fucking thing? Which would look better? Dude, clam chowder is like crustacean jizz. Clam chowder is fucking disgusting. It's fucking gross. It's like lobster puke. Ugh, it's just warm with that chunks of shit in there. All the women are turning this off. But it's fuck clam chowder. Is It's octopus jizz. Okay? An octopus that's taking Propecia and is having a reaction to it. <laughs> and that's what those chunks are. Um, chicken noodle soup. Come on, man. That's hearty. That's good stuff. That broth is barely going to show up. Dude, if you fucking, you know, if, yeah, you get clam chowder on your T-shirt, people are going to think you took a fucking hot one to the face, dribbled off your goddamn chin. Wow. Disgusting. Lobster puke, octopus jizz, and then a fucking male-on-male facial to end the fucking podcast. How do you like that? Huh? Right there. Fucking two point, minus two points for the dismount. Um, I think that that is the. Are we, we going to end with that? Let's hype some of my shows here, everybody. Um, oh, by the way, by the way, I almost forgot to bring up the hard copy version of "You People Are All the Same" for all the old school media consumption consumers, whatever the fuck you say out there. If you're old school like me, and if you really like something, you just don't want to download it. I don't like doing that because I, I, if I can't fucking hold on to it. You know, it's in the air, man. I don't fucking like that stuff where, you know, it's on my iTunes and it's and it's and it's on my fucking uh, my phone or my iPod or whatever. I don't like that shit because those things all die. And back in the day when your stereo died, you didn't lose your whole record collection, too. So I am a big fan. If you like to have it's like having the gold behind you money. All right. If you'd like a hard copy version, either come out and see me live or uh, buy one off of the website. Um, it's right underneath where uh, you can either download it for 5 bucks for the kids. That's the snowboarders. And if you still ski, if you're old school and you want the hard copy, it's available at BillBird.com right on the merch page. And uh, slowly but surely, I am working on some podcast T-shirts. Um, and that is it. That's the podcast for this week. Let's, uh, let's quickly go to BillBird.com here. Who do you guys like in the game tonight? Who do you like? I have family from the Midwest, so I'm kind of pulling from Michigan. But, you know, Louisville has got the whole broken leg story. So I don't know who to vote for here, who to root for. But um, I have to tell you that that Michigan seems to win on talent. You know? Like, why, how the fuck they beat Syracuse was beyond me. Because Syracuse had this insane fucking zone defense, and they were all the way out by the three-point line. So immediately, I'm thinking, well, just fucking fast break. Don't let them get set up. 
Don't let the ball touch the fucking court. Do some Magic Johnson Showtime Lakers shit. Get it up there and get some easy fucking layups and make them adjust to your fucking game. And they didn't. They would just dribble it up the court and let these fucking guys get set up. They couldn't beat the double team. Like, I feel like Michigan is getting, like, because they're so young, they're just kids. I really feel that they're just kind of getting away on raw talent. And now they're going up against Rick Pitino, who's just a monster coach. Um, I think Louisville's going to take it. That's what I think. But my hat, I'll be rooting for Michigan. Hail to the victors, valiant. Hail to the victors. Do you know I also like Ohio State? That's because I come from Massachusetts and we don't really have any pro shit other than Doug Flutie. Fucking stupid chair went down again. Ugh, fucking cunt. All right, so this is the deal. I'm going to be at the Georgia Theater in Athens, Georgia, April 9th. Um, I'll be at the Comedy Club at the Stardome, Hoover, Alabama, April 10th. I'll be in Charleston Music Hall, April 11th. I'll be at the Tabernacle for not one but two shows Friday night in Atlanta, Georgia, April 12th. And then I got two shows at the Improv in Tampa on Monday. I think those are already sold out. Um, April 16th, I have two shows at Florida State University. And April 17th, I'm at the Jackie Gleason Fillmore Theater in Miami, Florida. Uh, Later on this month, I'll be in Dallas, Austin, Texas, Kansas City. I got a gig in Las Vegas. Anybody wants to escape an unhappy marriage and see me at the Mirage, I'll be there on May 17th and 18th. Um, all my dates are up on billbird.com. Thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast. Our numbers have been growing. Thanks to uh, the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast for always giving shout-outs and links to my podcast. And um, if you listen to the Jay Moore Sports Show, I'm going to be calling that in today at 1130 uh, a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, that is it. That's the podcast for this week. Go fuck yourselves. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>